Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 7th of August. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR, one minute past nine o'clock. I am Giselle Hannah. That's right, Giselle, and you've been away two weeks. Obviously, you were so keen, so <laughs> keen to go back. And and Pretty listeners, sure that's my normal behaviour on air, but I really whatever. Had to, I really had to stop her. Like she was just rushing, trying to get <laughs> over the panel, trying to put the the mic on. And I said, no, no, that's timing. There's timing. So, but uh, I've managed. She's calmed down. She's behind the mic now. So it's all all lies, listeners. All, all good, lies. All good. Anyway, I'm Pierre Morrow, and uh, yes, welcome to another program, radio program of Asia Pacific Currents. And thanks to any for another very interesting Solidarity Breakfast program here in Melbourne, which we're in the, our sixth lockdown of this COVID pandemic. So we're pretty used to it now. Yeah, I mean, I think some of us are. I do also acknowledge and accept that some of us very much aren't and that the more of these things that happen, the more that it uh, grinds on people's um, mental health and ability to stay home alone and so on. And there are particular categories of people I think are having it particularly tough. I think, you know, any parent right now that is stuck at home with children, any especially single parents stuck at home with children, of course, elderly and uh, um, solo people, I think are probably not having the world's best time right now. That's right. No, that's very true, um, Giselle. And um, anyway, and of course, Asia Pacific Currency is brought to you by... Australia Asia Worker Links. That's right, Pierre. And if you're interested in following us up, you can find us on the web at all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms. Fantastic. And I have to say, you did a very good job of training James because <laughs> he was able to pass that test with flying colours yeah, in the last couple yeah. of he, weeks. He's a good one, that one. A good, lucky one. We recruited him to the show. That's that, that's right. That's right. We won't tell our listeners our recruiting strategies. <laughs> no. But, uh, we'll, yeah, anyway. we'll keep that to ourselves. That's yeah, right. Very good. So, um, Giselle, so what we've got? Well, of course, we've got our labour updates in the first uh, ten minutes. But what's in the second half of the program? Yeah. So a couple of um, weekends ago, I spoke on a panel uh, called "The Struggle for Democracy in ASEAN," and it was organised by our comrades in Thailand. Um, but it looked at struggles right across the Asia-Pacific region. And one of the co-panellists and another person on the panel that I spoke on was a woman called Asfinawati, and she is the chair of the Indonesia Legal Aid Foundation. So we're going to broadcast Asfinawati's um, talk today. All right, that's um, that, um, that'll come about ooh, 15 past nine o'clock or quarter past nine o'clock. But we'll go straight to the Labor news updates. And so you've got the first story, Zell. That's right. Uh, and our first story is about, uh, of course, workers who are at the front line of the COVID struggle. These are the PPE workers. During the last 18 months, the understanding of personal protection equipment in terms of masks, gloves, visors, capes, etc., has skyrocketed all around the world as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Global companies like Ancel that produce PPE have never had such profitable times. Unfortunately, not the same can be said for the workers who have continued to face union busting, oppressive working conditions and slave-like wages. Nevertheless, workers are fighting back and organising across the global production line. There's an international online meeting scheduled for the 14th of August that will discuss the next organising steps and we'll direct you or you can find that um, international meeting on AAWL's Facebook page. But I would also like to say that AAWL is one of the solidarity partners with um, workers, particularly Sri Lankan workers in the PPE industry. Um, so p- the, those that manufacture these latex gloves, which is a part of that global supply chain that this story is about. Um, and yeah, it's uh, really important to get behind these workers. Ancel is a dirty company that is... Uh, Without us, so I don't know what to say. Without uh, facing a exploitative uh, union bust, etc., etc. Yeah, I think there are some implications in relation to less than legal labour in across their industries. That's right. Um, All right. Well, now we go to um, go from India uh, to Sri Lanka to India, where manual cleaning of drain pipes in India is theoretically illegal and well, legally illegal, but the practice is still widespread with fatal consequences. Just this week, two two workers cleaning a drainage pipeline in the southern city of Hyderabad died while working during the night. Um, One of them, Shiva, was overcome by toxic gases, while the other, Anthaya, was then swept away as he tried to rescue Shiva. In the neighbouring state of Karnataka, there have already been, in just the first six months of the year, eight workers who have died while cleaning drains. Now, overall, in India, the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic is continuing to have massive impact, where just in the month of July, it was um, estimated that over 3.2 million salaried workers in the formal economy lost their job in the last month alone. And, of course, uh, this doesn't include all the, all the job losses in the informal economy, which uh, is probably even bigger. And in Lebanon, a year ago on the 4th of August, one of the biggest non-nuclear explosions ripped apart the port of Beirut and the surrounding suburbs. The hundreds uh, of tonnes of stored ammonium nitrate, in addition to an assorted stockpile of weapons and fireworks, killed over 200 people, wounded around 6,500 others, while leaving about 300,000 people homeless. One year on... The families of those killed and injured are still waiting for answers and justice as the case is proceeding at a glacial pace, with not one person still formally charged. In fact, the explosion only served to deepen the economic and political crisis that Lebanon had entered in October 2019. Currently, the poverty rate in Lebanon stands at about 50%. Electricity, fuel, medicines and other products are in short supply, while inflation is making staples like rice and bread a luxury for many people. The anti-government mass movement that started in October 2019 has been been left divided and paralysed by the deepening intersection of the political, economic and health crisis. Quite quite terrible news there from uh, Lebanon. 
And now we go to the Philippines, where again the the, the death squads uh, are still operating there under President Duterte. In the early hours of July 26th, in the small urban center of Guinobatan, in the southeast uh, Luzon Island, 22-year-old um, Gemma Palero and 38-year-old Marlon Naperi, both activists for peasant organizations, were shot dead by police while graffitiing a bridge with anti-President Duterte slogans. The police later claimed that they they acted in self-defence as they had been fired on, even though no weapons were found next to the bodies. The day after these uh, latest killings, in his last State of the Nation address before his presidential term expires, President Duterte once again reiterated his shoot-to-kill stance in regards to the war on drugs and communist sympathisers urging his police and security forces to go all out and finish the job. And uh, just important to commemorate and remember the uh, atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. On the 6th and 9th of August, respectively, 76 years ago, the USA military dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The two bombs killed around 175,000 people, with another 90,000 dying by the end of the year due to radiation injuries. These deaths were on top of a massive firebombing campaign against almost 70 Japanese cities, killing around 550,000 people in the preceding months. It was mainly working-class communities that perished in these two holocausts. The anniversaries are remembered by anti-war activists all around the world to protest a military-industrial complex that still profits from the ravages of war and produces millions of refugees and displaced people. And, of course, that... Not just the anti-war movement, but the campaign to end the use of nuclear armaments is is uh, losing, but uh, is still uh, alive. That's right. And actually, um, just this week, I read a story, and I'm afraid I don't know what the outcome was, but there was real pressure uh, from the uh, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki activists to actually ask for one minute silence for, du- for during the Olympics, and as far as I heard, they didn't get it. But I don't know. I'll have to find out. But as a last story, we go to the issues facing migrant workers in the region. With most countries' borders not fully open and ever changing COVID nineteen regulations and guidelines, migrant workers all around the region are facing incredibly difficult and certain times. In Malaysia, while the government has asked everyone to come forward to get vaccinated, many migrant workers are hesitant to do so for fear of victimisation. And um, and the reason is that while some government ministers have welcomed migrants coming to get vaccinated, others, other ministers have encouraged the police to arrest and deport them. While in countries like Nepal and the Philippines, workers who want to work overseas are facing constant battles to receive the vaccination due to low supplies and then to acquire the correct vaccine certificate paperwork that will be recognised in an overseas country. So there are a lot of issues for migrant workers all around the region, including um, Australia. And that's really the end of the news roundup. It's just on 12 uh, past 9 o'clock. You're listening to 3CR Radio and Asia-Pacific Currents. We'll go to a committee announcement and then we'll be back with our main interview. 
you know, there's people, like you said, have been on casual for seven years. Well, it's supposed to be casual employment. People want full-time jobs. They don't want to be sitting there casual, not knowing they're going to get any any days, any leave or what's, whatsoever. Especially, you look at all the casuals in the, our industry at the moment, they're sitting home. You know, people want full-time employment and they, sh- they should be entitled to That's full-time right. employment. And look at all the people who were used and abused as casuals in the aged care sector and all the problems that are facing people now and all the deaths that are following. And the meatworks, a lot of that's casuals, labour hire, you know, we've got blokes travelling around, you know. We want full-time positions and, you know, that's... And people want it. We want to be full-time employed. You want them to have your Christmas holidays. You want to have time with your family. But when you're a casual, you get none of that. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. It's 13 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Up next is our guest, Ashvinawati, who is the chair of Indonesia's Legal Aid Foundation. She speaks on a panel about the struggle for democracy in Indonesia and also talks a little bit about how her organisation um, uh, assists in that process. I just want to make a note that um, the simultaneous translation failed right at the start of the talk, so you'll hear a little bit of our comrade Lek Yimpraset um doing a Thai translation, but uh, if you can just bear through that, that that stops. Um, But all of the hmm and hmm all the way through the interview is left in the background as she's getting ready to do a translation. I'm going to start slightly uh, with the history of the authoritarian in Indonesia. It started in 1966, uh, the new order, uh, and this is the picture of uh, Suharto and it's it's very interesting uh, picture and uh, there are three uh, character of the new order uh, first the big scale development and its development uh, has been ne- uh, had neglected people and also unwanted by the people and grab uh, people's rights including uh, gra- uh, land grabbing and etc and also state captured corruption the, the corruption is uh, was a uh, very massive uh, and um, many laws uh, made uh, uh, because they want to legalize the corruption and mm. also stabilization um, the repressive law the function of military so military are positive in uh, many uh, position uh, ministry minister and etc oh. this is the reformation on 1998 and oh. 2019 we have to uh, demonstrate it again in front of the parliament buildings and mm-hmm. we call it with hashtag a corrupted reformation. Uh, it's a very massive demonstration uh, as you can see uh, mm-hmm. and even it, it's, it, it has not covered all of the mass. Yeah, and it's triggered uh, by the revision uh, on the law uh, of uh, commission, corruption eradication commission and also the new uh, a penal bill, the, the bill on the penal code. Okay, so you come up with a bill on penal code and uh, reform of the corruption, independent uh, anti-corruption uh, institution? Um, we against the revision uh, oh. because the, the government wants to uh, weaken the commission. On 2020, uh, there uh, also a big demonstration uh, against the omnibus law on job creation 
at least we recorded that there there were 97 locations that demonstrate that oh. part of the demonstration so uh, i want to go to the, the, the second uh, uh, point uh, that uh, how the democracy turned into the authoritarian uh, so in the case of indonesia at least uh, from the point of uh, YLBHI, uh, uh, there there has been an authoritarian cycle. From not authoritarian, the government will uh, create fake crisis situation. There are many ways uh, mm. uh, uh, from the government. And then if the fake crisis situation is not enough, they will fabricating the crisis situation, like exploiting the bomb, the, the real bomb. Uh, like the, the 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 example of fake crisis situation that uh, when they the when the rumor spreading all over Indonesia about like uh, the uh, the green uh, the green uh, pen mm -hmm. the green panty uh, and uh, it means that uh, some men are uh, fooling around and rape a woman but mm -hmm. it never. Uh, it, 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 it's, uh, yeah, we doubt that really happened, but fabricating crisis situation, as I mentioned before, like they really exploited uh, a bomb. They will explore, ex they, they will, uh, they will show a common enemy. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a, a group or some groups that, uh, that uh, they uh, say that uh, are behind the crisis situation. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, uh, the, the common enemy become a reason to uh, shrinking uh, or limiting civic freedom. And the shrinking civic freedom is only one stage before emergency situation. Uh -huh. um, and the, the government will again fabricating crisis situation or fake crisis situation. Mm. Then that's become a reason to implement emergency situation. Uh -huh. Then an emergency situation is the authoritarian. Okay, so... Mm. A, a fake crisis situation needs boogeyman. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1965, the boogeyman is a, 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 the, the communist party and also the the, the, the people who accuse as a communist. Mm -hmm. In the new order, uh, right extremists and left extremists become uh, the the common uh, the the state the, the enemy of the state. Mm -hmm. In the formation, there are many communists. Mm -hmm. um, uh, our office has uh, had attack once in 19. Uh, uh, to, sorry, 2017, uh, mm. uh, because people thought that there 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 was a communist uh, meeting mm. there, and at least five thousand people uh, came to uh, our office, huh. and also the blasphemous people blaspheme to uh, majority religion and also LGBT, and uh, Jokowi uh, again uh, tend to play the uh, right and left. Uh, extremists mm. uh, uh, at this time they uh, call it radicalists it mm. means that from the intolerant people to terrorists i forget to mention that uh, left extremists uh, also uh, uh, are targeting the labor union and mm. labor union activists and also labor activists okay now i i turn into the lawyer in the context mm. because legal aid uh, my organization uh, indonesia legal aid foundation is a uh, uh, doing a lawyering uh, and uh, uh, but in fact there are differences between lawyer that are willing only to uh, have a case resolution 
uh, to the lawyer who are doing legal empowerment and a lawyer uh, in the social movement. Mm. Uh, so I will go uh, directly to the social movement. In the social movement, uh, of course, we already know that uh, collective action and uh, common goal is the, uh, the, the, the focus of the social movement and the goal of the lawyer are also social and political change mm. and it means there is systematic because there is systemic injustice and changes cannot done from the system mm. so the role of the lawyer should be part of the movement it means that we are uh, we, we, we have to support the movement and mm. not demoralize uh, movement like saying that we cannot do that uh, let's just go to the just that let's just go to the court litigate this no mm. we need to support the the, the, the demonstration, the action uh, from uh, outside the parliament, etc. So um, I will uh, uh, going detail. Uh, so this is the human rights situation uh, when uh, lawyering uh, should be in context. From the authoritarian regime, the purpose of the lawyering uh, should be the cases just as an entry point to raising awareness. And we uh, have been used uh, the immunity of lawyer or even start off the immunity of lawyer because the regime, the authoritarian regime, uh, will always limiting this immunity mm. of the lawyer. Uh, the immunity of the lawyers can be used to empower people, like raising awareness, uh, uh, because at the time the labor union uh, will uh, get harder uh, effort uh, rather than the lawyer. And also a trial uh, that publicly open can give space to us to mobilize people, mm. and also as a tool to report human rights abuses. Uh, 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 this needs precondition that we, we should organizing people as our groundwork. It means that we always do this. Uh, and also, we have to uh, have a security protocol, mm. also monitoring and documenting the process inside and outside the courtroom, and also doing a lot of campaign internal and outside the country. Mm. Okay, the second one is transitional justice. Um, uh, this 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 phase is important because, like Indonesia, when we fail uh, uh, past this transitional justice, then uh, we can easily come back to the authoritarian uh, uh, situation. Mm. So uh, the the purpose of the lawyering in this context is consolidation among civil society mm. and mass, mm. and also we need to record of actors who involved in human rights abuses or human rights violation. And we should uh, uh, make principle of illustration implemented. It means that uh, uh, the one who involved in the authoritarian regime should should not be elected again and should not mm. be posited in any uh, uh, in any uh, uh, position of government. Okay, the, the precondition of this we need to building strategy among the network, monitoring and documenting. Uh, uh, many things and also formulation of claim in a lawsuit, not just a compensation, uh, but also a, a policy changes and also the campaign. Now the context of a social movement, of course, uh, we choose our, our organization, the social movement, to be the best uh, strategy. And uh, we have a context that now we live in, uh, we, we are an informational organism uh, referring to the Luciano Floridi, it means that the real is information and the, the and, uh, information is the reality. It means that um, um, the fact 
the reality that cannot uh, inform the, the people considered as uh, not real. So uh, inform means that uh, interconnected and embedded in the informational environment or mm. infosphere, which we share with other information actors, both natural and artificial. And it, it gives, of, of course, advantage and also challenges to also process information logically and independently. Um, um, uh, we, yeah, okay, so uh, humans are losing their uniqueness. We are no longer at the center of the infosphere. So we have to be aware that uh, both also uh, uh, become uh, our challenges mm. and not just human in front of the the the, 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 uh, the, the, the laptop or the, the, the cell phone. Uh, but we should also learning from Alex Spring, uh, despite of the uh, the euphoria of of the social uh, advantages. And um, uh, from from a journal, uh, I, uh, I I found the very interesting. Uh, side of, of Arab Spring uh, in Egypt, uh, particularly that politics come first. It means that uh, social media penetration should be seen as as cause for political uh, protests and mm. political event precede social media use. Mm. And it's also found a consistently negative correlation between the extent of social media penetration and the amount of protests. Mm. So the real question is not whether this or that type of media plays a major role, but how that role varies over time and circumstances. So um, now uh, I, I come to the, the end of my presentation, uh, uh, the, uh, what, what we have done so far, of course, uh, we call it groundwork. Uh, so we need to raising awareness uh, from the people uh, from, and our, our goal is the victim become a survivor the survivor become an activist and activists become organization leader, mm. the, 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 people, the people organization. And we also encouraging people to organize. It means they have built their own organization or even just community or other collective form. Uh, so uh, this now become, now I turn into the uh, action um, rather than have a big demonstration, maybe in some context like in the uh, junta, a situation uh, we don't need to do a guerrilla demonstration that I, I understand that has uh, done in Thailand and mm. Hong Kong. Uh, so also digital action, many forms of this digital action. Mm. Uh, you must be uh, uh, better than, uh, than 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 we than us. And also disclosure of human rights violation from monitoring the violation and uh, or, or, or doing independent investigation and we can uh, collaboration with independent journalists and mm. or the national human rights institution and also disseminate this report mm. in collaboration with journalists media as a counter narrative to the government uh, and uh, we need to use international human rights mechanism because uh, in our country the the the, the court the mechanism is not working. Mm. Uh, so we need to do also international lobby, even though I really aware that in this time, it becomes more complicated uh, uh, because of the shifting economic power to China. Mm. And also uh, collaboration between people outside and inside the country. And we need to think of the political movement rather than just a social movement. It means that we need, we need to intervene the uh, the politic from 
the people or even uh, building a political party like uh, the Philippines uh, activists uh, done some years uh, back. And so that's all the end of my presentation. Uh, thank you very much uh, and long live struggle and uh, solidarity. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. We've just got about a minute to go before we end, uh, but you were listening to an interv- um, to a, a recorded uh, speech by Ashvin Nawati, who was the chair, who is the chair of the Indonesian Legal Aid Foundation, and she was speaking at an online international forum called "The Struggle for Democracy." And Giselle, that's uh, all that we've got um, today for Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links here on your favourite community radio station, Three CR. We'll be back next week, but uh, my name is. PMRO. And I'm Giselle Hanna. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.